Good afternoon, good morning. It's Mark Johnson from Loyalty360. Hope everyone's happy, safe, and well. I want to welcome you back to another edition of our Leaders and Customer Loyalty Series. In this series, we've talked to the brand leaders about what they are seeing and hearing on the front lines of customer, channel, and brand loyalty. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Sachin Stroff, who is the Vice President of Customer Relation Management at Michaels. As everyone knows, Michaels is a one-stop shop for all things arts and crafts, and they are all across the U.S., uh, North America. You get about 1,200 stores in 49 states and Canada, correct? That's correct. Yes, Marco. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, more about your relaunch program that you relaunched last uh, fall in 2020. First off, uh, we'd love to know a little bit more about the brand that we speak with or the brands that we speak with. I'm sure everyone knows Michael, especially if you have uh, people who are in crafts or teenage girls. Um, not that I do, only have three. Uh, so can you tell us uh, a little bit more uh, about Michael's and what, what you guys do? Yeah, happy to Mark. Uh, first of all, I wanna thank you for this opportunity. Glad to be here and uh, speaking about the rewards program for Michael's. So. Um, uh, yeah, Michael is uh, an arts and craft uh, specialty rate, uh, retailer in North America. Um, I think we are one of the biggest when it comes to the number of stores. Uh, and primarily what we do is we, we have, uh, you know, uh, for all your creative activities, we provide all the components that go with it. Uh, but not only that, we provide you a lot of project ideas and education that goes with creating uh, those uh, creative activities. Um, when it comes to Michael's, really our mission is, I feel like it's a four, you know, four things in our mission which are so clear. One is we want to inspire and enable creativity for our customers, right? That's the foremost thing we would do. Uh, secondly is, you know, we want to make sure our employees, uh, you know, ha are happy and engaged, get, feeling rewarded uh, for being employees at Michael's. And then uh, finally, really the, uh, the, the community aspect of it in terms of Michael's is doing a lot of things to make sure that we, you know, uh, we bring, we connect all the community together. And then finally, we really are leading uh, the, the industry in growth and innovation. I mean, that's really the four part vision uh, that Michael has. So uh, we are making great strides towards it and, um, you know, a great company. Absolutely. Um, we also like to know and get to know the people we're speaking with a little bit more. Uh, yeah, we'd love to know about your role at Michael's, what you do at Michael's. And we also like to get a fun fact sometimes, uh, maybe something that you do, something you have a passion for. Uh, do you have 14 kids? Uh, do you like riding Jeeps? Uh, you know, we'd yeah. love to get a little fun fact as well. No, no, absolutely. Uh, happy to give that. Uh, so, yes, uh, my, my role at Michael is uh, I lead their uh, CRM and loyalty. Um, so that, that's really in my role. Uh, the way I think about it, Mark, is I got to drive recency, frequency, and satisfaction for our customers. Right? At the end of the day, if I'm able to bring a customer that was shopping four times a year, five times a year, my job is done. If a customer hasn't showed up in our store for the last three months, but before that they were shopping every two months, my job is to get them back into the store. And, and the satisfaction has to keep going up. So that, that's a little bit in a nutshell in my role uh, at Michael's. Um, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a happily married with two kids, uh, you know, a 14 year old, uh, and a 16 year old, um, and both of them do, uh, uh, competitive golf. So I'll tell you a fun fact, um, you know, for eight years, my kids have been practicing golf and I, I was to drive them and I used to sit back and they used to hit the ball. Well, my ears are so tuned now that I can close my eyes. And if somebody hits a golf ball, especially with an iron, I can tell you whether it is a good shot or a bad shot, whether it was a toe heavy or it was hit on the heels. How did the ball go? <laughs> was it the sweet spot or not? 
So that's a little bit fun fact about my ears, how I've tuned for the golf ball shot. Okay, great. That's awesome. Um, Michael's, the rewards program's been around for a while. Uh, I know you guys relaunched it last fall. Can you tell us about the Michael's reward program, kind of what the value proposition is, what customers give, uh, I should say get, and uh, why you updated it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and this is the most exciting part of the interview, actually, <laughs> So for me. Um, yeah, so we, we relaunched uh, Michael's loyalty program uh, actually mid of COVID, which was August 2020 last year. And uh, in the past, we did have a loyalty program, but the loyalty program was not really rewarding back to our customers. We didn't have a really uh, defined structure on how we would reward back the customers for their purchase at Michael's. Uh, what we did uh, last year is we first piloted the program in a couple of markets, and then we launched nationwide in August 2020, where we really created a robust reward program. And essentially what that is, is as you shop more at Michael's, you're going to get rewarded more at Michael's. Um, and the rewards are given in, what, what happens is once you make a purchase, you earn what's called as a reward dollars. And once you earn at least five reward dollars, you get to earn a reward voucher. So that's how the program is. And then you can use that reward vouchers towards your online or in-store purchases, all products. Now, uh, the reward voucher can uh, own, expires in 30 days. So that's where really the incrementality of the program is coming from, is once the customer earns that reward voucher, it's like cash or gift card. Uh, they, they, you know, it's money sitting in their pocket or account, and they can use it. And the other thing we did, which really makes this program so successful, is we personalized and targeted it. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're an arts customer, you know, we have the ability to say that, hey, you know, we, we create these product uh, rewards, what we call, which is during a certain week, certain arts products will be on rewards. So if you buy those art products, you will get something like 20% or 25% back in rewards. Certain weeks, we will do yarn rewards. Certain weeks, we will do kids rewards. So what happens because of that is it's, it's uh, specific products are geared towards your preferences based on what the customers are buying. And the second lever we are pulling is on an individual level, which we call as CRM rewards. And what that means is you mark as an individual, maybe spending $25 with us in the past. Now, what we want to drive a certain behavior is we see a cohort like yourself spending $35. So what we do is we target you with a CRM reward that says, hey, Mark, if you spend $35 in the next 30 days in one transaction, we'll give you back $10 in rewards. Or for example, there might be somebody else who might be coming in you know, one time a month, but we see people like them coming two times a month. We'll target a CRM reward, which will say, hey, if you come two times during that month, we will give you more CRM rewards, more rewards dollars back. So that's how we are driving frequency and recency uh, for these customers. And the results have been phenomenal. I mean, in the six to nine months, amazing results that we are seeing from these loyalty programs. The third part I will add to this is really this part of the success is the omni-channel presence. Right off the bat, this program has been uh, you know, available online as well as in the app, as well as in the store. So any purchase you do online or in the store, you will earn rewards. Um, or any, uh, you know, any vouchers that you have earned through your purchases, you can redeem them online as well as in the store. So uh, I think the, those three factors I think is you know, rewarding the customers, making it targeted, personalized, and making it omni-channel has been the key to really success of this program since we launched. Okay, great. 
one of the things we like to uh, ask the our uh, people we speak with you interview, both the members and non-members of Loyalty 360 is, you know, what customer loyalty means to you and your organization. Uh, we feel it's more important now than ever before. We have a very robust and growing community. Uh, and it, But it's always nice to know and hear from a qualitative perspective how you define customer loyalty and what it means to Michaels. Yeah, and, and that's a great question, actually. I mean, that's really the foundation of everything that we should be doing. Um, at Michaels, really, when we built this loyalty program, the concept was that not all customers are equal, right? So based on that, the thought was to drive, you know, the maximum performance uh, and value from this program, our best customers should get the best value from this program, right? A deeper a member engages with our brand, the more they should enjoy the benefits of the program. Um, and that's what we have focused on. It's a, it's a very personalized benefits-driven program uh, which takes a lot of data into consideration based on their past purchase behavior, but also looks at what is the desired behavior from those customers in the future uh, so that we can create, it's a win-win situation. We are, uh, we are creating that experience that rewards the customer, but at the same time, Michael's benefits from a uh, you know, very satisfied, loyal customer. So th that has been our uh, kind of the foundation in building and making decisions when uh, you know, structuring this program. Absolutely. You know, a lot of changes right now going on uh, with CCPA, GDPR, mm -hmm. CCD, CDBA uh, in Virginia. Uh, yeah. Cookies are going away, right? Uh, McKinsey saying you're not going to be able to identify your customers, maybe 10% in three years. Uh, you know, Facebook and Apple and their privacy battle and kind of countless other areas. Uh, and even the interactive advertising bureau, the IAB, came out a, a month or so ago. I said customer loyalty programs, customer loyalty in general is the best way to address some of these challenges. What do you feel uh, customer loyalty means now? And is, is it more important than it was before? Does it help address some of those privacy and, uh, you know, kind of regulatory concerns? You know, where do you see customer loyalty and kind of the amalgamation of all your yeah. market offers? Yeah, another great question, actually. Um, no, absolutely. I think actually loyalty, I agree with that sentiment. Actually, customer loyalty is even more important now than it was before. Uh, loyalty programs, uh, at least in Michael's, is entirely based on first-party data. It's based on what they have purchased in the past. It's based on what they do on michaels.com. It's what they do from the emails they receive from Michael's. Uh, it's what they do with uh, our entire ecosystem. So it is entirely based on first-party data. So the beauty about loyalty is it can actually deliver very relevant content uh, because we have all the first party data, we all know their likes and preferences. Um, with all these, uh, you know, all these new regulations and data regulations coming in, um, I think loyalty is positioned in a great way uh, to actually increase that relevance within the loyalty channels that we use. Um, where I feel it's going to impact the most is, in my personal opinion, it's paid media. Is you know the use case where somebody used to come on michaels.com and then they would go into their Facebook account or Instagram. We're not going to be able to do ads. We're going to kind of follow those ads through the internet. Uh, that's where I feel, or at least in real time, it's going to be difficult to do that going forward. Um, I feel that's the space where uh, we're going to have a gap. And I feel loyalty can fill that gap because now with all the different touch points that we have with loyalty, whether it's email, whether it's SMS, whether it's them coming on uh, through the app, we can increase that relevance because we know you and your purchase behavior better than you know any third-party cookie. So... Um, to me, uh, the importance of royalty actually goes up, like you said. 
Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we've seen over the last year. Our brand membership has is, is doubled. Uh, there's yeah. a lot more openness right now between brands. Uh, so two grocers being on a call to talk about metrics, they are much more open, right? They feel sharing and uh, they're sharing what's working, what's not working, you know, what technologies yeah. they like, what challenges they may have. I think it's, it's a very unique time to be in the space for sure. Um, yeah. you, you talked about uh, first party data. What about zero party data gamification? Uh, more and more marketers talking about zero party data surveys, uh, trying to get, uh, get a more detailed understanding of customers and being able to leverage that, you know, that declared data. What does that mean um, uh, for, for you and your team? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a relatively new concept, at least for me. And absolutely, we are exploring that as well. Um, and, you know, uh, I'll give you a little bit of color on, uh, you know, uh, gamification aspect of that zero party data. We are actually launching a sweepstakes here very recently um, uh, that is going to be uh, for our loyalty members. And it's got a gamification component to it where you can, you know, you can enter the sweepstakes and play some games that like can throw some color on a canvas uh, in a digital interactive way. And then you can hit some. So it's a very gamification aspect. And I love it because to me, you know, engaging with a brand in a non-transactional way is going to create those additional experiences that we need, right? As behind the scenes, yes, yeah, so you are getting all the data you need in terms of who engaged with the sweepstakes and not. But as a, as a, as a, as a customer, you know, you're engaging with the brands in other ways. And uh, that is, those are invaluable data points or those are invaluable experiences that kind of stay with the customer. So um, if I have to summarize it, I would say we have a lot more work to do on that front. We have started, we have taken the first few baby steps, but I'm a firm believer of uh, you know, zero party data and really creating experiences beyond transactional uh, to gain that customer loyalty. Okay. When you look at uh, your customer loyalty program, your customer experience program, you talk about the integration with CRM, which is interesting. Um, you know, um, some people are looking at customer loyalty holistically as the kind of the rubric, the umbrella, and everything kind of rolls up. But CRM has a, a kind of a, a long heritage in our industry, as you know, as well. When you look at your customer loyalty, customer experience strategies, how have they evolved? Uh, how have they evolved? Uh, and how do you see them evolving going forward? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a so um, one of the things I think you, you hit the nail when you said we are, uh, you know, really using a lot of CRM data. Uh, for uh, personalization. That is one of the key things we have done is really personalized uh, the whole experience uh, when it comes to those direct marketing channels, whether it's email, whether it's SMS, or whether it's coming on the web, how can we use the customer data to personalize that uh, through our loyalty for our loyalty members? Uh, the other thing, uh, you know, we, I, I think we did it right is the omni-channel, uh, the emphasis on omni-channel when it comes to customer experience is really making sure that the customer can do what they want wherever they want not necessarily saying, hey, you can only earn vouchers online or in store, or you can redeem it online. We made it omni-channel. They can earn and redeem anywhere, wherever they want. So I think that has been a, a key factor in kind of the two-prone two approach is making it omni-channel and really using CRM. Going forward, you know, as we look at it, we, we have some low-hanging fruits and some long-term vision. Uh, you know, low-hanging fruits are things like we want to expand our loyalty program to our Can uh, Canadian customers. Uh, that's something that we are actively planning and working towards. Uh, the other thing we are learning is, uh, you know, and uh, also we did some customer research where there is already a lot of, uh, you know, uh, opportunity for uh, a premium tier within our loyalty program uh, that we are thinking about. Um, and then long term, I think I would love to explore how we can integrate, uh, you know, a credit card into our loyalty program and other things. So uh, that, that's how I feel we will evolve this program. 
Okay, great. Uh, when you talked about personalization, uh, personalization is, is more important than ever before. Uh, you know, understanding and being able to action on that is, is uh, quite difficult and being able to do it at scale is very difficult, right? You talked about CRM and across different channels, SMS, text, what have you, using that you know, first and zero party today do that. What does personalization mean to you? Um, it sounds like you do a, a good deal of that, but you potentially want to do more. And, and what does it mean from a, a challenge perspective? I mean, getting all that data together yeah. and being able to do it at scale. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail mark there. You know, personalization is only impactful when it's done at scale. And that's where the real challenge is, is doing it at scale. Um, I'll tell you how we have achieved it. I mean, I'm very proud to say that 90% of Michael's emails uh, or more have some element of personalization. Either the subject line is personalized, either the time they get the email is personalized, uh, the product offers they see in the email or the recommendations about products we put in that email are all personalized. So if you that, look at- That would probably list. explain this, uh, my hematite bead necklace that I, I ordered a bunch of hematite beads from Michael's. <laughs> one broke and my daughter made it for me. So I had to get another one. So now I'm getting nice. all kinds of uh, hematite uh, bead offers. There you go. That, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect example. Uh, no, so, uh, you know, we, we have taken personalization to really that level, the mass level. And part of the reason we were able to do that is really the investment in the tools as well. I mean, there's a lot of data, but you have to write, have the right set of tools. I mean, there are tools like Movable Inc., Persado, which allows us to dynamically pick the content based on customers' propensity. If the, like you said, if you like beads and you like jewelry, you know, we will pull in that content in real time based on your propensity. Uh, not only that much, we have even, uh, you know, uh, optimized the language uh, about the content, the copy in the email and the subject line based on what your likes are. So, you know, the language AI model uh, model allows us to understand, okay, what kind of emotion is going to work the most with this customer? Is it going to be about gratitude? Is it going to be about inspiring the customer during that time of the year? So what you'll see is our subject lines are actually tailored uh, based on what emotion we want to drive uh, for that type of customer. So um, really using the right set of tools and having the right set of data and then doing it on mass. And finally, I'll end it with one thought is we, we are measuring it. Uh, we have a treatment control method and we are actually able to put a dollar amount to what the personalization means to the business. So we kind of completed the whole loop in terms of not only doing mass personalization on scale, but being able to measure it and continuously optimize it based on the results we are seeing. Interesting. Okay. What's the biggest challenge you face? Uh, what kind of keeps you up at night uh, with regard to your program? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a lead and loyalty, you know, for me, it's a, it's a three-part thing, the way I think about it. It's one is I have to create the vision of what the loyalty should look like for our customers. Um, you have to have the capital and then you have to have the resources. Um, I feel the resources and the capital is uh, relatively easy. It's difficult, but relatively easy. The vision is what, what keeps me up at night is, uh, you know, it's really what you have to create, which is beyond the limitations of current resources and technology we have. Like what are the experiences customers will value tomorrow, not today, that you won't be able to see uh, given the tools and technology we have. And then to get your team to own it and run with it, right? So. I feel like that's the biggest challenge for me. And that, that's what I always try to keep is how do I create that vision of next level of loyalty that will drive customer engagement and right. you know, with the brand. Okay, absolutely right. Um, uh, I think that's uh, the, the biggest challenge most marketers face is yeah. how do we keep up, what's next? Uh, yeah. And because uh, you, know, you, you can be sold technology and one of the things we see, we just uh, released our first technology day report, which is similar to Forrester Gartner report, 
is that uh, brands are challenged picking the right technology. You know, they may have the capital, but they have to be responsible for it. Does the technology work? Does it have the SDKs? Does it have APIs? Does it truly integrate? And can it do what it says it uh, can do? Because that, that's the biggest challenge they have is usually it doesn't. And it usually happens three months after you've signed the contract and you're in implementation. Yes. So, uh, so uh, partnerships are a big area of opportunity, uh, we feel. I mean, uh, we have a partnership network at Loyalty 360. Brands want to, to work with on the right, whether it's uh, uh, American Eagle working with uh, Chipotle. Uh, but getting that right is a big challenge for marketers, right? They've struggled with in the past because a lot of partnerships, uh, you know, with a cable program or with a, you know, a wireless program, they've been kind of a one-way hash where the only one brand gets value. How do you guys look at partnerships and is it a big piece of what you're doing and, and how do you get that right? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question as well. Um, absolutely. I, I do believe partnership is a big part, especially when it's done right. <laughs> right, right partnership can really uh, change the change the loyalty program in, in great ways. So we I would say we have started, uh, you know, we, we have been doing quite a lot with partnership as a brand, as Michael's. So I'll share with you some of the initiatives we have with Boys and Girls of America, which is more of a uh, charity uh, partnership. But what we did is we integrated that with our loyalty program. So if you donate uh, a dollar uh, towards that charity up to five dollars, we add that many reward dollars to your account. So it's, it was very successful during the holiday timeframe where people felt, you know, they, they got the satisfaction and the, about giving it to charity, but at the same time, they got rewarded from Michael's. So I feel like that's a win-win for both our customers, the charity and, the, and Michael's. Then we, we have our evergreen, uh, you know, military and teacher's discount. That's another kind of, not partnership, but we, we, we acknowledge them as our valuable customers and we have ongoing, uh, uh, you know, discount for them. Apart from that, we have looked at a lot of partnership with UPS. We are an access point with UPS as well, where customers can come in and you know uh, pick up their packages. Uh, we have a partnership with a firm that we recently established, where uh, customers can uh, you know pay their ticket over uh, uh, multiple payments. And then uh, we have partnership with uh, Percolator as well in Canada. So absolutely, we value partnership. But like you said, you know we we gotta be uh, uh, thoughtful in picking the right partnership so that it works for both the brands. Okay, great. Um, we know customers are changing. They were changing before COVID, going through COVID, uh, kind of the, the pace of change accelerated. How are your customers changing and, and how are you adapting to that? And it, it is kind of your industry, the competitive set, either retail or kind of the craft industry seeing the same sort of changes? Oh, absolutely. I mean, COVID has, uh, COVID has really changed quite a bit of things. Um, you know, a couple of things that I will highlight for you is uh, one significant change we have, and I think most of the retailers may have seen that, is just a shopping behavior shift towards online. I mean, that is the most, uh, you know, most uh, prominent change that a lot of retailers are seeing. Uh, but within that, we are also seeing change in the demographics of customers. You know, we are seeing a lot of younger customers actually started shopping at Michael's as well. Um, we are also seeing that uh, changes with, uh, you know, our uh, uh, core customers where the frequency might be going down, but their actually average ticket is going much up. So it's like they're spending more, but they come less frequently uh, kind of deal. Um, so we are seeing a lot of uh, those changes. Uh, Michael as a whole, as a brand actually benefited uh, from this COVID environment because uh, you know a lot of uh, customers were able to do arts and crafts at home and we were happy to be there uh, to serve their needs and really uh, help them with their creative uh, ideas. So. Uh, Michael's as a business has benefited from COVID and uh, we, we, we feel like the, we were really well prepared for this changing uh, dynamic. Um, 
so th th that's kind of in, in terms of evaluation i think michael's did a phenomenal job to evolve with the new environment uh, i'll share with you a couple of things we introduced you know curbside pickup and uh, same day delivery during the covid time frame early phases of covid uh, which was really helping customers uh, you know do that contactless uh, uh, you know purchasing with us uh, so that that is an example of that the other thing as we are evolving is we are seeing a lot of potential with SMS and MMS. So we are really expanding this personalization. We have had an email to other channels, uh, which includes SMS and web as well. So those are some of the other things that we are really focusing on in terms of this changing environment. Okay, great. When uh, you look at the efficacy of uh, the success of your customer loyalty programs, customer experience strategy, you know, you talked about some of the KPIs that you, you measure. What are some uh, KPIs metrics that you look to track and, are there KPIs or metrics that you, you wish you had more information on? Oh yeah, absolutely. So my, my background is a lot in analytics, so I'm big into KPIs. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, we I kind of divide KPIs into two, two, two sections. One is business related and one is what I call customer related. Uh, business related KPIs, what we track is uh, impact on sales and gross margin from loyalty, right? Then uh, what are the transaction and sales that are tied to loyalty members? Those are business related metrics. When it comes to customer-related metrics, we are monitoring engagement with the program. What uh, and that would an example of that would be number of customers who have actually redeemed at least one voucher. Um, then we have things like satisfaction scores. Every three months since we launched the loyalty program, we are doing a satisfaction survey to understand that. So uh, yeah, both side KPIs extremely critical. Um, the in terms of you know uh, additional KPIs, I, I feel like KPIs are always going to evolve. Uh, you know, as you as you learn more about the program, as your business evolves, you have to keep up with it. You have to introduce right. new KPIs. Uh, you know, uh, maybe the older KPIs may not be that full helpful. So I feel we, as a as a as a company, we we are very strong with KPIs and especially with the loyalty program. But there is always opportunity to get better. Okay, interesting. And the last question I have, kind of a follow up, kind of follow up question: What can Loyalty Three Hundred and Sixty do as a trade association for in the industry? help you and, and, and your team and your, your customer loyalty uh, evolution? No, the, uh, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, the, the information about loyalty, personally, I've been using a lot of conferences to get that information about loyalty programs. Uh, you, you guys do a phenomenal job on your website with all the articles and everything you publish. I'm a regular user of those, by the way. So, uh, love those, but uh, you know, really a lot of, uh, I feel like a lot of KPIs related to loyalty programs, uh, we have to go to conferences to really get them. Um, that is one area I always felt like if there were sources available other than conferences where I could get those, it would be helpful. Uh, but uh, yeah, really conferences, uh, Loyalty360, uh, some of the other publishers about loyalty is where I kind of seek information, uh, but there is always more I could get. <laughs> Okay, great. Well, Sachin, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. It was a pleasure learning uh, more about you and also the Michaels program, how you've evolved it and, and where you plan on taking it in the, the future. It was great to, great to hear. Appreciate it. Thank you. Same here. Absolutely.